0: Thank you. Um, My name is Julie Cooper. I'm a GP in uh, uh, Worcestershire. Um, It was Tim's talk that made me think about lots of patients that I see with medically unexplained symptoms, uh, which I think that's what you were describing with medically unexplained symptoms. And so many of these patients um, obviously seem to think that it's their body is separate from them and their poor souls get, you know, um, put on loads of painkillers, antidepressants they're on lists of drugs as long as your arm and but most of I can't understand how I could explain to them to make that intellectual leap because lots of them don't have your intellect to to start thinking about uh thinking about their pain and their symptoms in a different way just wondered if you could talk about that
1: it's not intellect it's desperation uh no seriously you know um in fact I think It's usually the the more intelligent people who resist longest uh, on this question. I have no idea how to do that. Um, My brother, for example, uh, who who had polio when he was young, and as a result, um, now because of walking his whole life with a heavy limp and and so on, has all kinds of of problems that that would no doubt react wonderfully to something like shiatsu, but he refuses to do shiatsu because he says he's been on the net, and he sees that there is no, uh, that there is no clear medical explanation, et cetera, et cetera, and, and so he won't do it. And I say, but it's not going to kill you, you could try it. But I think that would mean for him a shift mentally in how he sees, how he sees the world. Uh, talking to people at the pain center at Great Ormond Street at the Neurology Hospital. Um, they, they they invited me to talk about the book, and they were talking about what the, that that they found shatsu incredibly useful with patients, but they couldn't persuade anybody to fund uh, shatsu because it because it's very difficult to to check out what it does in 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 the famous randomised tests and so on. I don't know what to say to people. I've no idea. They can read my book. <laughs> a question at the top there.
0: Um, thank you. Um, it's not really a question. Um, just tell us who you are, sorry. sorry? Just uh, tell us um, who you are. My name is Siobhan Mee. I'm a GP in the Forest of Dean, um, and I also work as a spiritual director. Um, I just uh, want to challenge your apparent persistent denigration of uh, Christianity, Um, with the statement that I think Gandhi made which was that if you cannot find if you have to leave your religion to find truth then you have not found the truth of your religion
1: Hmm.
0: and I would my own personal experience of deep meditative transformation has come through my constant exploration of my Christian beliefs my challenging of the doubts that are constantly there and my persistence to explore those doubts. And I think that an awful lot of um, what you have found um, through your Shiatsu meditation is there in the Christian um, faith, in the depths of the Christian knowledge as well. And I think that um, it's it... it, it and in all religions, um, and I just wanted to make that point really, that uh, it's dangerous to throw out the baby with the bathwater for all the hierarchical stuff that buries uh, baby, the
1: The baby, the baby, Christianity, the baby. Um, I, I grew up in a, an evangelical household, my parents charismatic Christians, my father was a Church of England pastor, um, there were exorcisms <coughs> in, in our sitting room on a fairly regular basis through, throughout my adolescence. Uh, my parents are very very fine uh, good people. I distanced myself from that at some point. Um, and and no doubt a certain a, a certain <coughs> abrasive uh, a certain abrasive attitude remains. Um, in, in general though Christianity is a very big church and we know that there are meditative traditions and in, in, in the in the Christian tradition, that are entirely in line um, with what I'm talking about. It does seem to me, though, that Christianity post about 14 1500 does begin to accept the Cartesian dualism that was offered to it as, as a kind of contract um, and does begin to accept, at least on an official level, and I'm not saying that this is, as it were, real Christianity, but Christianity is part of the Western package that encourages a belief in separation of of body and soul. Now, it it may well be that there are... I don't think that's essential to Christianity at all. I think you're perfectly right that Christianity um, can deal with an identification of of body uh, and soul. But I think think the way it's used today, that is going on. Thanks. Any
2: other questions
1: at all? Oh,
2: all right. Let me jump just one at the front. Thank you. And then and one at the back. If we go back first and then across, is that all right? Thank you. Sorry.
3: Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> I want to pick up the, the, the point that really, that Charles raised at the very end um, with, with, with Tim. In your presentation, Tim, I think it, um, I think it was probably utterly individualistic. Um, and I want to... to uh, Nothing about any relationships or community came into that. You mentioned it a little bit at the end when you talked about the community in which you uh, carried out the meditation. Uh, but it really, you know, I ego me my. That was the, the the really dominant theme of your of your talk, Jean. I think it's Teng, as her name is, Teng or Teng, is, is co-authored a book a couple of years ago about the me generation uh, and, uh, or generation I, and the book is called The Narcissism, narcissism Epidemic, um, From Enlightenment to Entitlement. And um, I just... How would you defend yourself against the accusation of narcissism in what you, in how you've actually what you've said?
1: Well, I, I guess... <laughs> I guess this is my first opportunity to, <laughs> to launch this point. Let me just say first that, that I, think, I think one of the vocations of the novel is precisely to demonstrate that no person exists on their own and, and that no personality exists on its own, except in a dynamic of relationships uh, with other people. Um, so So that although we may believe we have a um, a totally individual self and and this is the self without the body, the truth of the self with the body is that it 's in a constant relationship with other bodies um, and that my personality is this because I am living with my wife and family or i 'm not living with my wife and family so although the the circumstances of this talk, which uh, which has invited me to explore the polarity of these paradigms, um, has focused on I and not I. I honestly couldn't agree with you more that 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 what is going on in an illness is not in fact um, I am ill, my body is ill. I am ill, my body is ill, and the relationships around me have to do a have a great deal to do with this. Um, for example, in, in the book, I explore the whole my whole condition of of living in Italy, constantly speaking a language which is not mine, um, and feeling, even in dealings with the family and my children, a constant vulnerability to uh, being shown to be inept, as it were, which says a lot about certain relationships in the family as well. Um, so that i'm very aware that there's a there's a narrative and a dynamic there that when what i'm experiencing has to do with a group experience and what others are experiencing has to do with me so i would uh, i couldn't agree with you more that that about that and i'm terribly uh, sad that that um that, that i would come across like that but but my wife would no doubt say that you hit the nail on the head <laughs>
2: We have uh, just a question at the front here, please. Oh, uh, well, if we could just come round. Someone got the microphone? No. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Hi. Um, I was just uh, really interested in what you were saying about the um, difference between I am my body and I'm not my body. Um, I've also done quite a lot of vipassana meditation and come to some similar conclusions um, as what you were describing. Um, but just in relation to um, I'm a doctor, um, and in relation to you know how I can relate that to my job, um, I just worry about the sort of blame aspect of that. Um, and in terms of maybe Susan Sontag's... Um, book uh, in the 1970s about her cancer and how she felt very blamed for, for developing cancer because people were attributing that to her personality or to aspects of the way that she lived. Um, I'd like to be sensitive to that, and I'm just wondering about your take on that. It doesn't sound like you blamed yourself, but how did you, how did you cope with that aspect?
1: do you want to say. I, I remember a moment when I just thought, I hope this damn stuff is psychosomatic and it's all my fault. And then, if it is, I can change and, and, and maybe get out of jail. Uh, there are clearly people who <clears throat> there are clearly people who can take a cross and, and blaming approach to this with cancer. For example, cancer comes out of this or that, which of course, is unhelpful and unhappy. But I really think that Susan Sontag uh, was not being entirely upfront in that book. About um, you know, just the extent and the intensity of the anger was clearly so negative for her that that one couldn't help wondering that that maybe she'd been better if if she just set that aside and and focused on the experience. In general, blame blame doesn't help very much. We know that,
4: yeah. But can
1: I but I was certainly to blame for a lot of the state I was in, and very
4: happy to figure out. How to make it easier for myself? Yeah, I think that um, question comes up even more in the case of psychiatric illness, where you know you get you get sympathy if mm. you if you have cancer, you get people you know making a fuss of you, being nice to you. You don't get sympathy if you have schizophrenia. You get told that it's your fault. You know you're mad and bad, and then all, all sorts I of other it was s- the mother's com- fault. well, other <laughs> complexities come in. So social complexities come in. So as I say. <laughs> working on voice hearing at the moment, there's an incredibly strong connection between voice hearing and childhood abuse. Mm. And so people have to deal with the situation in the context of their families where the the families are sometimes feeling, my God, I'm being blamed because there is this emerging strong connection with trauma. I'm being blamed for my poor son or daughter's Mm. uh, problems. So I think psychiatry is, is a very important focus for that very important Question: because the, the moral waters are so much muddier in, in psychiatric illness. And yeah, it's like that yeah.
2: as is you know, your comments about uh, schizophrenia and auditory hallucinations and, a, and, a, and abuse, how much of a um, momentum have those explanations got in the contemporary era where, you know, you can't go to a conference on schizophrenia without hearing about uh, neurotransmitters and the temporal lobes? How much weight is given to... Um, causes or associations such as the ones you've mooted yeah, yesterday's well, news
4: i don't know if we, if we have any psychiatrists here, we have got go
2: a psychiatrist is david in the audience there he is right i just wondered if we could get a microphone to david sturgeon back <coughs> there who's done some really interesting work on on this um
5: well I, yeah I'm, I'm a consultant psychiatrist at ucl <clears throat> i've worked with people with schizophrenia and their families to reduce levels of expressed emotion in family members, um, which we know high levels of expressed emotion are associated with high levels of relapse rate in schizophrenia. And if we can reduce expressed emotion in relatives or people close to (coughs) the person with schizophrenia, the relapse rates will come down. Um, But I think you're right that very often... (coughs) the families of schizo- people with schizophrenia are worried about what they might have done to, to induce this. Um, and we spend a lot of time talking to them about um, what, why people might become schizophrenia, which actually um, uh, encloses a, a physical and an emotional and actually a spiritual context in many families, many cultural families as well. Um, and it's very,
2: very interesting work. We have time for one final comment, I'm afraid. Yes, fine. okay.
6: I spoke earlier, I'm a GP. I was very excited to hear your comments about the need to see um, human body in, uh, uh, and human being in, in lots of different levels. Um, within the GP consultation, we have precious little time to help our patients to understand that. Um, I, I've worked closely with pharmacists, who are, many of whom are also aware of some, a lot of these issues, and, and they're wondering how on earth can we uh, uh, help folk to understand drugs and medicines and the limitations of those drugs and medicines and, 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 and other ways of, of getting better. And th- they've held conferences on the need for signposting. Um, that's been taken up by the, the Arts Council that is now in charge or strategically in charge of the Library Service. I uh, just wanted to alert everybody to the, the, the ways in which GPs and pharmacists can now begin to start thinking of ways to to signpost people to the libraries and health developments, which perhaps is a, is a subject for a future conference.
2: Thank you very much. Apologies, we'll have to stop there. We'll pick up some of these questions in our, in our next session. I'd like to give a really um, big round of applause to Charles. and <laughs>